Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. Hi, I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, a professor at UMass Lowell. And I'm Dr. Megan Samaraki, a professor at Rhode Island College. And together, we co-founded the Learning Scientist Project, and we apply cognitive psychology to education for students, teachers, and parents. In this podcast, we've been covering six strategies that have been shown to be effective for learning. And these strategies are space practice, retrieval practice, elaboration, interleaving, dual coding, and concrete examples. In two of our previous episodes, we talked about retrieval practice and space practice. And those two are probably the two most important strategies. So if you haven't listened to those podcasts, I highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes because those two strategies are really, really useful. They work across a number of different domains and for students of many different ages. Today, we're going to talk a bit about elaboration. A strategy that is still useful, there are just a few more caveats to it. Elaboration is a really broad idea. Basically, at its core, it means adding information or connecting things in in our minds, connecting different ideas. But really, it's just a huge topic that's talked about all the time in the cognitive psychology literature in a number of different ways. I actually wrote my entire doctoral dissertation on elaborations over 100 pages all about elaboration, the different types of definitions you can have and the different ways of looking at it. I won't go into the, the boring details about, um, about that particular dissertation. But essentially, elaboration just means connecting information or adding information. Again, you could do this in a lot of different ways. But one particular strategy, elaborative interrogation, seems to work well, at least in many situations, to promote learning in the classroom. Elaborative interrogation is all about asking yourself how and why questions and then finding the answers to those questions. And this can be done with students independently. The teacher could definitely help guide students towards the answers. Students could actually work in pairs or even groups to try to ask these questions. And then importantly, attempt to find the answers to these questions. So let's give you a couple concrete examples of what we mean here because it's it's pretty vague at this point. A typical physics GCSE exam question might ask students to look at a picture of an airplane and figure out whether the forces are balanced or unbalanced on the aircraft. One way to answer this question or to practice for it would be to do lots and lots of practice examples of different aircrafts with different forces acting in them. But using elaborative interrogation instead would involve students coming up with their own how and why questions about flight and about aircrafts and trying to answer them. So for example, why does the aircraft have wings? Why does it have an engine? How does it not fall to the ground when it's flying? Trying to come up with these questions and then answering them from information they might find in their textbook is elaborative interrogation. And this could actually highlight um, some of the misunderstandings or misconceptions the students have. So for example, in the physics In the physics example, a student might ask the question, well, what are these numbers off to the side of the plane and and how does that help the plane fly? And the answer is, well, those numbers actually have nothing to do with flight. It's basically just a license plate for the aircraft. So it's just a surface detail. And so it can help the students notice what's actually important and what is sort of unimportant, at least to the physics of the aircraft. That reminds me of an example with my five-year-old daughter. I was trying to show her a family tree and I was drawing out all the people in her family and trying to show her all the connections between them. And she looked at it 
And then she looked at me very angry and upset. And she said, why didn't you draw daddy's mustache? I'm like, okay, well, obviously that's not the important feature of this family tree. But, you know, this is just to illustrate that students won't always focus on the right thing. And it's our job as teachers to redirect them to what's important. So for some students, they might actually need the prompts, the how and why prompts given to them so that they're asking how and why about the right things. Another example where you might use elaborative interrogation has to do with biology or neuroscience. So imagine the students are learning about neural communication. They might ask a series of questions like, how does neural communication work? What is the importance of the positive charge? What is the importance of the negative charge? What happens when the signal reaches the terminal buttons? Um, How does this happen? How do neurotransmitters communicate? What would happen if the axon didn't have myelin sheath and so on? And this would prompt the students to really develop an understanding of the entire systems, that information is received by the dendrites, that the information is then converged on the soma. If the message has enough positive, there might be an action potential, which sends the signal down the axon. The myelin sheath serves as insulation so on and so forth. It's interesting to try this out actually with a topic that you think you're quite familiar with. So I asked my husband to talk about calculus. I told him the topic was derivatives. So I said to him, explain to me how that works. And he said, okay, uh, it's the rate of change. So then I said, well, how does that work? And he thought about it a little bit and he said, okay, you take a look at one point, you take a look at a prior point over some interval, and then you take the difference divided by the interval. As that interval approaches zero, you have the instantaneous rate of change. And then I asked him, why does that happen? And so on and so forth. So you can see that there's a definition there, but you can dig deeper to try and figure out why and how things work as they do. And the deeper you dig, the better the student will understand the topic they're trying to learn. Again, this is really, really difficult for students to do. They're having to ask these deep questions about a topic that they may not be overly familiar with. And so this probably isn't an activity that you'd want to implement in the classroom when first introducing an idea. It's probably something to use later on when you're developing comprehension, maybe to make sure the students understand the underlying concepts or even how different concepts connect to one another, maybe before practicing retrieval or even as a spaced learning opportunity. Perhaps you talked about it a couple weeks ago and now we're doing elaborative interrogation about it two weeks later. And particularly if students aren't very familiar with the topic, you definitely want to make sure that you're giving feedback on some of the explanations that students are coming up with because there is definitely potential for students to come up with inaccurate or just plain completely wrong explanations, even if they're looking for them, say, on the internet rather than just making up by, them, them up by themselves. When thinking about whether elaborative interrogation is the right strategy for your students to use for a particular topic, you might want to consider how well they already know the topic. If they don't know it at all, it might be a little dangerous to start with elaborative interrogation because this could produce lots of incorrect explanations and you would have to make sure to disambiguate them from the correct ones and give a lot of feedback. Perhaps it's better to teach the topic first and give them some practice with it, then perhaps guide them through the elaborative interrogation by providing prompts. Then once the students are very comfortable with the topic, that might be a good point at which to have them do elaborative interrogation on their own. In general, the findings show that it doesn't really hurt for students to do elaborative interrogation when they don't know much about the topic, but it may not help as much as when they're already quite familiar with it and can find and come up with those elaborative interrogation explanations on their own. 
And the students may also need assistance making sure they're asking the right questions. So again, they might ask a lot of surface questions. Even if they're asking questions about the deep underlying structure, they may miss some of the key aspects of, of the, the topic. So in the physics example, maybe they forget to ask about the front and the back of the wings and how those are tapered to help support air. And so in that case, a teacher might need to come in and say, well, why don't you think a little bit more, not just about the wings in general, but the specific structure of the wings. Tell me about the front of the wings, tell me about the back of the wings, and so on, to make sure that the students are really getting at what they need to understand in order to understand the topic as a whole. I have an anecdote actually about elaborative interrogation from one of my classes. So my research methods class that I've mentioned previously on this podcast involves students coming up with their own experiments and testing them out. And these are students who are about to graduate from college. What I tend to do in this class is that I give them these six strategies that we're talking about on this podcast, and I get them to try to use them and then come up with an experiment to test them. So in the first week after I've given the students a syllabus, I actually give them a syllabus quiz and the syllabus quiz is divided into different strategies. They do it as a team. And so there's a retrieval practice part where they just have to remember key information from the syllabus. There's also a dual coding part. We haven't talked about that yet, but that involves drawing information. And there's an elaborative interrogation part. And for that part of the syllabus quiz, what I ask them to do is come up with questions about the syllabus, how and why questions, and then try to answer them. So my idea was that they might come up with something like, why is our professor giving us a syllabus quiz? Or how are we going to demonstrate that we have learned to do research in this class? What tended to happen on this quiz, however, is that students would come up with very fact-based questions as if they were just practicing retrieval and ask something like, how many assignments do we have to complete? And how long is the course? Or something very basic and not at all the how and why questions that I was hoping they'd come up with. So this is just to say that simply giving students the instruction to come up with how and why questions may not be enough. Yeah, so it sounds like you were trying to get at why is the course designed the way it is to promote learning, and the students were really just tapping into how exactly is the course constructed, no real underlying re you know, reasons or understanding about why. And that is, that is a risk. Now, of course, the students can work their way up to practicing retrieval of these elaborative interrogation questions. So it's not the case that retrieval practice is only for facts. And then elaborative interrogation is about deep underlying understanding. Students can work their way up to asking themselves these questions and then answering them without the text materials in front of them. So going back to the neuron example, being able to describe and explain from memory how the dendrites work, what happens, where the information goes after the dendrites, what happens at the axon, what are neurotransmitters and how do they work. Being able to describe and explain all of those things from memory is basically combining this elaborative interrogation strategy with retrieval practice. And we know retrieval practice is extremely beneficial for learning. We've mentioned some examples from science, from math. What about subjects like history? Elaborative interrogation can be used for subjects like that as well. So for example, if students are trying to learn about a world war, 
maybe World War II, and they've already studied World War I, they could practice elaborating on how the two world wars are different, or why did each one of them start, or how did the wars end? Any other examples, Megan? Yeah, and that's really emphasizing similarities and differences between two topics. So it sounds like in this example, the students have already learned about World War I, maybe World War I was even a month ago, whereas we're talking about World War II now. Bringing those two things together and going over the similarities and the differences helps the students understand the similarities and differences and also makes it easier for them to discriminate later on. Because of course, on a big exam, say a final comprehensive exam at the end of a term or even a big standardized test that the students might have to take, they're going to need to be able to differentiate between World War I and World War II. Those aren't going to be separated by an entire month on the exam. And so talking about them together can help the students differentiate and also produces space practice for the World War I topic. To sum up, today we talked about elaboration. In particular, we talked about a technique called elaborative interrogation, which involves students coming up with how and why questions about how things work and trying to answer them themselves. We gave a few examples of how this strategy could work. We discussed how it can be difficult and students will need scaffolding and feedback in order to get it right. And we also discussed how eventually it's great for students to work up to being able to retrieve the elaborative interrogations from memory. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, the easiest way to do that is to go to the front page of our website, www.learningscientists.org, and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. Look out for our bite-sized research episode later this month about research findings related to elaboration and elaborative interrogation. See you next time. The Learning Scientist podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust.